Welcome to the No Blooded Podcast. This is episode number three or four. I don't know. Um, there were some technical difficulties on the last episode, so not a lot of people um, were able to view it. Something was going on with uh, my podcast host, but either way, um, I'm, ba- I'm back with another episode. It's your boy George, aka Mr. No Blooded, coming to you live on a, what is it, Thursday night. <laughs> uh bringing you all your fsu podcast needs um so let's get started man there's a lot to talk about today um first and foremost we gotta talk about florida state recruiting big 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 june for florida state recruiting um i could have done this episode uh last week but some i just got caught up with some stuff new job and everything like that so i didn't really break down when the new commitments happened so I'm just kind of go through the whole month of June and kind of give props to, you know, the Florida State staff and kind of what they did in June and how uh, they wrapped up June um, with a bunch of commitments. Um, and then we are going to do our past recruit spotlight. Um, we are going to focus on Timmy Jernigan and kind of how he developed as a recruit and how he became a Florida State Seminole, kind of his journey. Um, if you don't, remember or if you've never heard or you had no interest back then of recruiting Timmy Jernigan's recruitment is probably in in my memory one of the most interesting recruitments because it was a lot like there was a big early leader then that leader something happened with that leader they fell off um it was just a lot of up and downs his top four or three were just elite programs everybody was vying for him and in high school Timmy Jernigan was such a special player um, you can tell right when you put on his uh, highlights, it just his athleticism, his strength, um, even his technique for um, that age and not being in college was amazing. Um, so we're definitely going to take a look at kind of his recruitment and kind of the timeline of it and how it broke down and how it uh, broke in the Noles f- uh, favor. Um, but we like I said, we definitely have to start off with the current state of Florida State recruiting because, man, you want to talk about a staff just putting together the perfect game plan going into um, the, the the open period where kids could come in and, and visit. Uh, like we, we talked about what they did on Midnight Madness, having people in at 12 o'clock at night, some, something that no other program did and how effective that was and just how, just how, cool it was and the vibe it gave the Florida State program. I mean, you had kids basically waiting to get in. Um, And one of those kids waiting to get in, the first one to come in was a guy named Bishop Thomas, who I have been, if you have been listening to this podcast, I have been hyping up a lot because I do think he's a great player. And lo and behold, he does become a Florida State commit. But we'll get back to that later um, because he was like fifth or sixth out of um, the people who committed. Um, So, yeah, so let's just get back to June and like, the, the most impressive thing about June, if you go to um, 24-7 sports and you go to Florida State's uh, top targets, uh, 24-7 breaks it down pretty cool. They have the top targets listed, and basically these are the, the targets that the 24-7 staff has been indicated or feels like are on top of uh, Florida State's board. There's 36 ter- current top targets. Out of those 36 top targets, um, all of our commits are on there, obviously. Um, and then you have a group of people who we're in the race for. 
again, out of all those 36 targets, every single one of them visited Florida State in June. So what that tells me is Florida State know, knows who they like on their board, and they got them there. There's been so many years where I've been following recruiting, and you see a prospect who gets mentioned with Florida State, and they say they have interest in Florida State, but then they don't visit. The One of the key things in recruiting is follow the visits. You got to like, if a kid doesn't visit you, he's more than likely not going to go to your school because he has no idea what's going on there. Um, he doesn't take the interest to go in. So that it kind of, it kind of lets you know as a staff who, who, um, who's interested in you as well, because obviously they're unofficial visits. So kids have to pay their own dime to come. So for example, you have a Kevin Coleman who everybody wants. Kevin Coleman is um, top receiver, top 20 national player. Um, he's just a beast, but he's in St. Louis, Missouri. Obviously, the closest college program to him is uh, Mizzou. Mizzou's not a powerhouse. But the thing about it, if you look at uh, Kevin Coleman's visits, and this is very telling, um, he has not visited. The only other school he has visited besides Mizzou, and again, most people don't think they're even close to the race because they're Mizzou, um, is Florida State. Florida State is the only place he spent money to. <laughs> I, I laugh because we don't know. Who knows what goes on, but he spent money to come to Florida State for Midnight Madness, and he stayed a couple days. He did not go anywhere else. Now, of course, Alabama is the other threat in this recruitment because they're Alabama. But the fact that he didn't visit Alabama, that's I think that speaks volumes. And honestly, if Florida State just wins seven games, I think Kevin Coleman will be in this class. Um, but again, that, that's just a, a sign of what what Florida State was doing and the plan that they had. And again, that he was there the, fir the first night. He was made a priority. And it just continued, man. I mean, we had literally somebody was visiting every day. Literally every day somebody was. I don't know how. No, <laughs> I know they're going to enjoy their short vacation because they literally every coach was there from the beginning of the morning to tonight, and they were recruiting their butts off, hosting kids coming in left and right. Um, some of the some of the key guys that came in, um, we talked about before on Midnight Madness, Julian Armello was there. Uh, you have guys like Javante Barnes. Again, uh, this is why it's so important that he came is because he's a guy from Las Vegas. Again, spending his own money to come into Tallahassee. That's, we all know how hard it is to get to Tallahassee. That's expensive. Um, the fact that he paid his way to come to Tallahassee means he's showing legit interest. Um, and what that also means is just because now he's showing you legit interest, that gives Florida State the, the mindset of, okay, he's really interested in us. We can continue to recruit him. As opposed to wasting the resources and recruiting a kid in Las Vegas who has no intention of coming to Tallahassee because he hasn't even visited. This kid visited on his own dime. From this point forward, we can continue to recruit him because we know he has legitimate interests. We know we're in there. We know we have a shot at him. Uh, then you have guys like uh, Kendrick Law coming in. One of the surprises for me, I talked about a little bit, a little bit briefly on the last episode, um, was Katron Allen. I don't, I don't think Florida State can land Katron Allen, but the fact that they got him to visit is just so impressive. Um, then you have guys like Daniel Martin, Jalen Early. 
Antavius uh, Woody. Uh, I mean, the list goes on. We had uh, Lions from Homestead come up. I think his teammate, too, um, the DN, who I don't think Florida State's too high on. Um, but still, just, just uh, there's, it's a list of recruits that, I mean, most teams in the nation would want these guys on their campus. And like I said, Florida State had one of these guys on their campus every day. And if they didn't have one of them, they had a top 2023 kid or a top 2024 kid. They just every day they had a purpose. Uh, and I think that's something that's been lacking. I'm not, I'm not going to throw dirt on his name because he's gone now. He did suck. But Willie Taggart, I don't think he had a purpose, man. He, I could not have seen Willie Taggart pulling off this June that Mike Norvell did. Uh, again, it was or by all accounts, it was organized and there was a method to the madness and there was a, a strict. Like I said, if you if you read reports, people were coming in, coming out like everything was like to the T um, visit, like visits that happened were to the T. Everything, everything was planned and coordinated perfectly um, in Mike Norvell's and what he wanted to do. And I think it was just, again, executed you couldn't do any better. I don't think you can look at any other school in the nation for June and say they out-recruited Florida State. I, I just don't. And that's impressive. It's coming off of a three-win season. That's pretty impressive. And if you're a Florida State fan, you got to be happy about that. I mean, we have to take the positives uh, while we can, you know, because who knows how this season is going to turn out. Um, there's so many unknowns about this team. There's so many new additions, so many people we got rid of. That I mean, obviously, I don't expect the same team, but you never know. So it's exciting to see that this staff, you know, put a real focus on recruiting and just doing everything to the team. I mean, they had people leaving like right up to the last minute before the dead period or before the open period and then the dead period began. Um, they were still hosting people, um, which brings me to uh, that weekend where we hosted about six or seven official visitors. Um, I believe the official visitors were here, Kanaya Charlton, uh, offensive lineman out of um, Brunswick, Georgia, which isn't too far from me in Jacksonville. Um, then I also believe Bishop Thomas came back. I don't know if that was his official. I, I think it was. Um, I, think, I think it was his official visit. And yeah, guys, Kayshawn Sapp, uh, Travion Williams, again, I don't, I don't remember if that was his official or not. Um, and Tavius Woody, Jalen Early, um, Jerron Willis, I believe. Who else was there? Da, 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 da. Jerron Willis. Wesley Besaint was there, but it wasn't for an official visit. He was just visiting. Um, that's a big-time linebacker recruit out of uh, Miami who – if you aren't on Twitter, you probably – if you are on Twitter, you probably saw the picture of him throwing down the U. Um, honestly, it's not that big of a deal. Florida State fans, of course, you know, got their jokes in and everything. But the kid went, was in at Paradise Camp, which is one of Miami's big camps, the next day. Uh, honestly, if I'm being honest, I think he's a, a Miami lean. But he is a great player. And, again, it's the fact that we got him on campus, you know, again, speaks to – I think it speaks to how much these kids are interested in Florida State. They, I feel like they want Florida State to come back and be good because, like, 
if if you're a kid and you're an elite kid, it'd be hard to give a team that went three and six and looked as bad as Florida State did last year a, a chance. But these kid, these coaches have shown these kids something during the recruitment process to at least give Florida State a shot. And again, that's all we can ask for. So I just want to big up everybody on the coaching staff because honestly, right now, I don't feel like there's too many weak links in the coaching staff. You can take a look at Chris Thompson. I mean, I guess if that's one who would be a weak link, it'd probably be him. But you're hoping his coaching actually, you know, makes, excuse me, makes up for that. Because he coaches, he coaches a tight end. But I mean, even at tight end, we we've taken um, a tight end and uh, Jarrell Powers, who I think is basically a Cam McDonald clone. Um, if you watch his highlights, they're literally just like Cam McDonald's highlights. Um, and I remember when Cam McDonald committed, I was like, this seems more like a receiver than a tight end. And it's the same thing with Jarrell Powers. He's 6'4", 238, but he he plays outside receiver. Um, he doesn't stick his hand in the dirt too much at his school. Uh, so he'll be, he'll be like that flex. Uh, eventually he will have, he'll get his hand in the dirt. Cam McDonald's become a better blocker. He's still not great or anything, but he's going to play a similar role. It, literally, they probably just put in film of Cam McDonald. Like, this is the role we see you in. And he can, env- he, I guess he envisioned, envisioned that. Um, so let me start off with. Uh, the commitments that came off of that uh, official visit official visit weekend. Um, the first one happened actually during that weekend and was the biggest surprise, if I'm being honest, because I just didn't have him high on my radar as a fan. I, I, didn't, I didn't really think too much of his recruitment. And it's one of those things where, like, you just never know recruiting. You never know what's going on behind the scenes. You can do all the reading and everything and really look at all the tweets and everything, but – you just never know. Uh, so, like, the first commit was Travion Williams. Travion Williams is a – he's listed as an edge rusher, 6'5", 254 pounds, from Crystal Springs, Mississippi. So we go into Mississippi, a tough place to go. Um, honestly, if you're a top recruit in Mississippi, you're more than likely going to Ole Miss or Mississippi State. Um, we've had some success in Mississippi lately. I believe Marcus Woodson is from Mississippi. Um, so he has some connections there. Obviously, Cam Akers, our biggest gift, for, is our biggest gift from Mississippi. Uh, so we we've we've di- we've dipped into the waters in Mississippi. Obviously, we got um, the transfers from Mississippi State, um, Jones and uh, oh my God, what's the D tackle name? Um, oh, love it. <laughs> my bad. Yeah, Fabian, love it. Um, we have we got those guys. So we have some connections to Mississippi and. If you look at the recruitment and read some of the articles, Travion Williams does mention that he has a relationship with those Mississippi guys. So, again, recruiting is all about relationships. And if those guys weren't at Florida State, we probably don't get Travion Williams, if I'm being honest. But, again, the, he, he kind of came out of left field. Um, by all accounts, he had interest in Florida State. Um he and the the good thing about this commitment is he did visit some other schools, so it wasn't like it was just all Florida State. He did visit Ole Miss. Um, I do I do believe he also visited Auburn. Uh, and he he's like I said he has he's one of those recruits. He has all the big time offers. And the bet the best thing about him is I think um, Chris Nee from Twenty Four Seven Sports said it best. 
or somebody from 24-7 Sports said it best, he looks like he could be playing for FSU right now. And that's the type of bodies Florida State needs, especially at that edge position. Um, it's a position we've lacked severely since Brian Burns left, if we're being honest. I mean, I think last year our um, our edge rushers might have combined for three sacks. It was embarrassing. And it, it's embarrassing because it puts more – uh, it puts more emphasis on the defensive backs. If there's no pass rush, those boys are back there all day. You know, I mean, it's just nature. Like these, these receivers are athletic. They're going to get open if they have, if the quarterback has so much time to throw, like, and that, that hurt our, our secondary. So like until that pass rush gets fixed, our defense, our defensive backfield, who is, which is littered with five stars and four stars can't live up to their full potential because they're being asked to do something that, a DB shouldn't be asked to do by guarding somebody for a long time. And like I said, three sacks, that's just not going to get it done. Um, so we definitely need, hopefully Jermaine Johnson and um, some of the newcomers contribute to, to that during this season. But Trayvon Williams is a, definitely a good sign for the future. Now, the crazy thing about Trayvon Williams is if you watch his highlights, my man doesn't even play defensive end. He plays linebacker and quarterback. He's just a freak athlete, man. Um, he's just one of those guys you could put on the field, and he's just gonna do his thing, man. He's just gonna, he's gonna, he's gonna stand out. He's the best athlete on the field pretty much every time he steps on it in on his high school in Mississippi. Um, and you just, you just, you have to respect guys like that, and obviously you want them on your team. Um, and by all accounts, I saw some of his um, pass rushing uh, in the at the Florida State Elite Camp. He had some clips of him pass rushing. He's definitely capable. Uh, he's definitely going to have his hand in the dirt for the most part. Uh, going when he's at when he's at Florida State, but if you just watch his film, it, it's super impressive. Um, he gets to the he does get to the quarterback, but he's also playing quarterback. It's insane, man. It's so insane that this dude is playing quarterback at 6'5", 250 pounds. I, I love watching films like this because it, it just shows, like, what a freak athlete he is. And it's, it's funny to watch, too, because he's so big back there playing quarterback. Oh, it's like a NCAA football character or something. It's crazy. But yeah, so it's just he's a, he was a good get, and like I said, he was a nice little surprise. There are rumors that he's supposed to be going to Colin Hills with uh, Travis Hunter. I don't know how true that is. Um, a couple of people said it, uh, but we'll see. I I, I don't know. I, I guess obviously him and Travis Hunter do have a relationship, but again, it's it's just it's just impressive to get that type of body. Um, and he, he's athletic. He has he has potential to be a really good player down the line. So he was the first commit. And then I believe, if I go back, the next one. I believe the next one was uh, my boy, Kayshawn Sapp. Now, he had, to me, he has what you want in the offensive lineman. He's 6'5", 320. He's athletic. Um, he's out of Lee County, Leesburg, Georgia. They play some good football. 
uh, up there. And he just he just seems like he has that alpha dog mentality as a lineman. And that's just something you need. He kind of reminds me like almost like Dante Lucas, but I think he might. I think I don't know. Dante Lucas is pretty athletic too. Uh, I think Keishon plays um tackle in high school. I see him more as a guard um in college. And I think he can be really, really good at guard in college. And he's just one of those guys, again, who has a good – as he comes to find out, he had been silently committed to Florida State. And he was one of those ones where we were just waiting. You're just waiting for – like, every everything seems good. You know, he has all the crystal balls going to Florida State. And you're just waiting for it to actually happen. You see him on visits, and you're like, oh, dang, maybe it's not going to be Florida State. Because he went on his visits. I mean – he was taking pictures and posing with every college down there in the Southeast. I think he even went up to Cincinnati. Um, but he was just just one of those kids who, like, you really wanted in the class. And you could tell he had, had a bond with guys like Travis Hunter um, and other, other already commits. I believe he also had a, has a little bond with A.J. Duffy. So it was just one of those guys where you, just, you were just waiting for it to happen. And once it did, it, it was it was good because he, like I said, he's a good player, and he added to a offensive line class that had ball. And my next commit that happened just added to that, uh, and that's going to be Kanaya Charlton out of Brunswick, Georgia, the interior offensive lineman. Man, this is one big dude. Says he's six five, three fifty. He might be a little bit bigger than 350, man. He's going to be one of those cats who's going to have to reshape his body a little bit. But when you just look at him at the pictures of him in pads and also just him walking around, he's exactly what you want, I think, in the offensive guard. He has big – he's big up top and he's strong, and it shows in his film. He is probably the most underrated player in this class, I think. I think he's a four-star offensive lineman, and – I think on composite, he might be listed as our um, lowest recruit. As a matter of fact, yeah, he is. He's listed as our lowest recruit, and that is so wrong. I mean, this dude is big, but he's athletic. One thing I do know, being a former <laughs> offensive lineman in my um, in high school, kind of what coaches look for are big guys. Even even when it comes to like just kids walking around school, I remember my high school coach taught me told me he's all, he's looking for big guys but who have skinny ankles that means they're athletic they can move and if you look at Kanye Charlton <laughs> that's exactly what he is man he's a big dude but if you look at his his uh ankles they're skinny you can tell he has has some athleticism to him even though he is so big and when you watch his film you definitely see that you see that his athleticism because I, I think he might even um play tackle which that's what I really like about the guys that they're taking is the fact that they play tackle that shows that they're athletic and they're not going to play tackle. They're not going to play tackle in uh, at Florida state, but the fact that they are able to do it in, in high school, uh, I think that's a big deal. Definitely um, going forward because you can push them inside and you have, now you have the athletic uh, guard inside. So Kenaya Charlton, again, he's one of those guys who we kept hearing about, we kept hearing about, um, Alex Atkins, man, his relationship with Alex Atkins really paid off in the end. And he pulled Alex, – Alex Atkins got a daily double, man. He got Kanaya Charlton 
and um, Kayshawn Sapp, two recruits who I think are going to be good players, end up being good players for Florida State and important down the line. I don't think any of them contribute like as soon as they get on campus, but in their second year, third year, I think they'll they'll be really good players. Um, then the next person to commit, I believe, was Bishop Thomas. Now, if you listen to either the last episode or the episode before, um, when I was kind of talking about no, it was it might have been the first episode, um, the where I preview Midnight Madness. I talked about Bishop Thomas. Bishop Thomas is six two, three hundred pounds, um, out of Bishop Moore Catholic, um, in Orlando, Florida, but he's not originally from there. I believe he's originally from the Louisiana area, so he has ties to like Yak and um, uh, somebody else on staff. Uh, but yeah, so. Bishop Thomas, again, he's one of those guys, like I said, he's one of those people where you put on his highlights and it's just fun to watch. He's playing tight end. He's showing his athleticism. He's another one who I think is a little underrated. Um, I wouldn't say, like, super underrated. I think some some um, some services do have him as a four-star. He's a composite three-star. But I legit think he's, like, um, a, a low four-star defensive line prospect. I just think his athleticism jumps off the page. Um, I see a lot of people making comparisons to Niles Lawrence Stample. Um, I wouldn't go that far. I think just because they both played tight end in high school, it, it, you can make it a comparison. I, I think I might have done it myself, but I think Niles Lawrence was a little bit was a little bit bigger um, and stronger than Bishop Thomas. But he, Bishop Thomas definitely has that those capabilities. Um, and again, he's just so athletic, man. And my, and you'll kind of see this um, when I talk about Timmy Jernigan. This was a, I think, a little bit of an Odell special, man. He he needed this. He needed a, a defensive line recruit like this. I couldn't tell you the last time he had a pure defensive line commit. Um, so I think it was important for Odell, and it gives him some momentum going into the season to get. Get another like elite defensive line prospect, like an elite elite. He can we can kind of um, go big big game hunting on that. Um, so after Bishop Thomas committed, you know that that's a great that's a good weekend right there. Three you you have I think six or seven official visitors, three of them committed. Bishop Thomas, Kayshawn Sapp, Kenaya Charlton. Oh, and then Trayvon Williams. I forgot about Trayvon Williams. And then Trayvon Williams. So you got four commits in one weekend. But it really didn't stop there, man. I mean, it didn't happen exactly that weekend. But a couple of days later, we got another commitment from Antavius Woody out of Lafayette, Alabama. Now, this one, I will, <laughs> I'm going to give credit where credit due is. I use 24, I, I subscribe to this both. War chant and 24-7. And just because, like I said, I consume a lot, a lot of the uh a lot of recruiting news. And for the most part, they always have pretty similar things. I mean, obviously they're interviewing the kids at the same time when they come out of the more. So they're basically all their articles are writing the same thing. Um, but every now and then uh one of them will have a scoop on the other or something like that. And most of the time it is 24-7. I'm not, I'm not going like 24-7. Those guys, their staff, they do a great job of kind of getting in with the players and everything and getting some inside scoops. 
But Warchant, Michael Langston, he does his thing every now and then too. And I think he was on Intavious Woody before the 24-7 guys were. Like the not on him like as like a recruit, but I think as far as his interest in Florida State. Because I remember there was a video of him talking to Intavious Woody at the Rivals five-star challenge. And at the time, I was like, damn, I don't even know who this guy is. I don't know too much about him. But Michael was interviewing him, and it almost felt like he was staring him to FSU. Like, I was like, why is this random random player, like, talking to Michael Langston? But apparently there, there was legit interest um, this, enti- this entire time. And I just – I did not see that – I didn't see it coming because, again, I didn't hear too much about him. I think Michael didn't mention him every now and then, but I didn't have him pegged as somebody that would be almost close to committing to this class. But I'm glad he is because, man, this kid, he is a beast. He's a big dude. He, I think he stands. He's at, let me see, uh, 6'3", 291. He's listed as an interior lineman. Now, the Good, the cool thing about him, first of all, he's athletic as all hell, which is one of the first things I noticed about all these commits um, and all these targets that Florida State's, their athleticism just really jumps off the page. But then their size is good, too. I mean, and if you look at our roster, the trenches is where we've been lacking. Either they're too small or they're not good enough. I mean, but the, these guys, all four of these offensive linemen, that we have committed. Actually, I'm sorry. We have one, two, three, four. Yes, we have four committed right now. Um, now that I'm talking about Tavius Woody. And Tavius Woody, the cool thing about him, man, is honestly he could he could dominate on defensive line too. Um, he does in high school. He dominates on defensive line. Um, but I think his, his position is going to be in on the interior of the offensive line. Um, or I mean, he could he could play outside too. I think he's that he's athletic enough to play like a right tackle or something of that nature. Um, so yeah, I mean, it was just a great pickup uh, by all accounts. He's he's locked in again. Another Alex Atkins special. I mean, if I'm being honest, uh, like I said, I did, I had no idea we were so high for him, but. We were, and you got to give credit to Alex Atkins, man. He's been, he's been as advertised, you know. And even when you just watch watch him in his interviews and stuff, you can tell he's a he's a good coach, and he has said on sort of the, the thing is we got to keep him for a little while, hopefully, because um, you know every time offensive line job is going to open up, he's probably going to be rumored to be getting it. So hopefully he continues to rock rock out with us a little bit more, so we can get that offensive line squared away because by all accounts, everything he's doing is working. I mean, because those are some big-time kids committing to Florida State when they know of how poor the offensive line play has been. And that that's back to him building those relationships. And these are relationships that go back to when he first got here. Um, so it, it's, it's just pretty cool to see. Uh, so after, after that, you know, there was another couple of uh, visitors that we had visiting officially uh, from Texas uh, that was going to be uh, Jarrell Powers and his teammate from Duncanville. Oh, what's his name? Um, early, I believe is his is his name. Early, yeah, they were early. The Jarrell early. 
Yeah, I believe it's Jalen Early. Um, he offensive lineman. Um, and then Jarrell Powers is a tight end. He's that flex guy that I was talking about earlier. Getting him in the fold. <laughs> it's a, it's a, he's a good player. Um, nothing like – he's not like an elite, elite tight end. I don't know how many of those there are. And the one we're going after is Jaleel Skinner. And we're telling him he's going to play uh, – he's going to be a big receiver for us. So we'll we'll see how that goes. But, you know, adding a tight end. And then we also have – he's getting added to the class with uh, Brian Courtney, who is also probably going to be playing tight end, that H, um, H spot for us. So it's, it's an interesting take only because I didn't I didn't know. I will say tight end is the tight end is probably the worst position on Florida State's stat, Florida State's roster because literally you have Cam McDonald and then after that, no offense to those guys, these guys you have um, Kobe Gross who I think could be a good player. Um, he is a JUCO tight end, um, and then you have. Uh, what's the other? There's another JUCO um, tight end that we have that didn't that didn't play uh, last year because he got hurt. No, not JUCO. He was a transfer from UCLA. And what was his name? I mean, obviously he hasn't contributed yet to the team. Um, oh, Jordan Wilson. Jordan Wilson from UCLA. My bad. Um, he's coming out that he got injured during preseason last year. So there's just a lot of unknowns. And then after those guys, it's it's a, it's a couple walk-ons. Wyatt Rector, who was a quarterback two years ago. So it's, it's, a, it's a tough position. I think Norvell thinks tight end is a, an important position. Um, I don't know what, what they love so much about Brian Courtney, but at this, at this time, like I said, I, we just have to go – based off of what they've been doing, you know, I mean, we just have to kind of trust them at that, at this point, because I, I literally don't see the big deal about Brian Courtney, but those of me, he's a good, but he, he seems like a good, good football player. I'm not going to lie. He's a, he's a, a good soft football player. I don't know if I would have taken this early, but Norvell did. So we'll see, we'll see what he does. And if he ends up signing with Florida state. So the, so uh, Jarrell powers commits, um, and I think that's – he committed, like, a couple days after everybody had visited and everything. And that was kind of the cap to the amazing June. So now where we go from here, Florida State is now ranked number three. And – I'm sorry. Well, they were – at that at one point they were number three when they got those commits. Um, some other teams have got some commits since. And I believe they're ranked number six now. Now, again, we just got to put this in perspective, man, because if you look at the top 10 of recruiting right now, it's Ohio State, Penn State, Notre Dame, LSU, Oklahoma, Florida State, Georgia, Texas, Oregon, and Michigan. And then Alabama and Texas A&M are 11 and 12. None of those other teams in that in that top ten had nearly as bad a season as Florida State, and it's not even close. I mean, if you're just going based off of last year, Florida State shouldn't be even be in the top sixty of recruiting. 
But you know who isn't in the top 60? You know who you do have to hit load more for when you're looking at the recruiting list? The University of Miami. So that brings me to the next thing I want to talk about before I get into Timmy Jernigan and everything. And that's uh, that's uh, what's name's comments about about Florida. Basically, Manny Diaz's comments about Florida State recruiting because essentially we all, everybody knows who he was talking about when it came to it. And basically, I, I'm not even going to dignify again the exact quote, but basically he said we have fake momentum and that all the commits you know we had and everything it wouldn't mean it's not going to mean anything in January and that Miami was being more selective, essentially saying that Miami was, going to be, was being more selective and they were going to get the kids that when it matters in, you know, December and February and everything like that, man, that's a bunch of bullshit, bro. Like if you just, there's no such thing as fake momentum. And the fact that you credit that to a team that went three and six, it just shows, honestly, to me, the uh, the minute I read it, it just shows he's terrified. He knows it. And it's not just him. Everybody knows. If Norvell gets this thing on track just a little bit, if we're winning just a little bit, the way that he's recruiting and the way that his staff works, it's going to take off. And it's going to take off fast. They better hope we don't win. I would say seven games. If we win seven games, watch out. Watch out for everything. If we and we win eight games, it's over. But if we win seven games, show improvement, go to a bowl. I mean, it's going to be dangerous, man. Because the way the staff recruits and the way they work, if it just if it translates to the field, they have the recipe for something special. Um, and again, I, I honestly, what Norvell did last year in recruiting, I thought was special. He, he salvaged the class with during COVID and it was a mess, man. This is his first legit class. So that's why I will say, I will say this is his, you know, like when you get your first, your first class as a, as a coach, you get the, you get, you, let's be honest, you get kind of a bump, you know, you get the bump for being something new. This is his first class, but he he was coaching last year, and his team was trash. Let's let's face it, Florida State was trash. They should not. They, there were games where I saw that defense was the worst defense in the nation. I mean, people were doing whatever they wanted to. That Notre Dame game, the the holes that that offensive line had, and we were making for that for those running backs was ridiculous. It was stupid. We should, we had no business being on the field against Notre Dame. No business. People reading, going through the wrong gaps. Go, you had two people going in the same gap. Just making, just making huge errors. People getting pushed out of the way. It was bad. I mean, Notre Dame could have named their score against us. And that is, it wasn't just them. Louisville, I mean, it was just embarrassing. So the fact that Norvell is doing this and that's the film he has out there on him with Florida State, I mean, that just shows you that the dude, the dude can recruit. I mean, ain't no if and buts about it. The dude can recruit. So I'm excited, man. I mean, I have no idea what this team's gonna look like, 
but I do truly believe Norvell is the guy for this place. And if he has just a modicum of success on the football field, if he can get me seven wins, I think the sky's the limit for the program um, and the team the following year. Um, I mean, obviously, I think McKenzie Milton's going to win the quarterback job. I, I have no idea who the quarterback would be, but uh, if Jordan Travis stays, I'm confident in him. Chubba Purdy will develop. Um, there's It's just in such a better spot. And like I said, they are making the offensive line better each day. I do think they still need to work on the defensive line. They do have to have some guys step up on the defensive line this year. You know, you got a guy like Kier Thomas, who's a veteran and somebody I, I do really like. Um, obviously, Jermaine Johnson on the edge. Um, you're going to need guys like Fabian Lovett to step up. Um, some guys that have been there for for a while need, need, need do need to step up. Um, but Again, I, I'm I'm super excited. It's less than 100 days away, you know. Uh, recruit, I mean, recruiting's been cool and everything, but once those games he's played, it's a different different story. Uh, <clears throat> so, back to recruiting. Um, July is the dead. It's a dead period. Things open back up on July 25th. Um, you have a lot of guys uh, about to make decisions in the month of July. Um, trying to think of some notable guys on Florida State's end who are going to be making some decisions here shortly. Uh, yeah, you have, I think Jalen Glover is going to make an announcement um, in the middle of July. Uh, he's a running back out of uh, Lake Gibson. Um, you have guys like Dalen Everett who just announced he's committing on July 17th. Uh, we're not, he were in his like top, but I wouldn't, say we're in it for him. Um, Daughtry Richardson, who is a tackle who we are very high on for Miami Central, who I'm high on too. I think he can be a true um, left tackle. Um, early, I think he's supposed to be coming in the end of July. I'm not, I'm not hundred percent sure. Um, but that does bring me up to a point I do want to talk about. And that's the offensive line board. Like I said, kudos to Alex Atkins. He has currently we have um, four offensive line commits. We got Antavius Woody, Patron Sapp, Aluba, and Kanaya Charlton. I think all of them will play guard. Antavius Woody might play tackle. So we need some tackles in this class. Oh, I'm sorry. Aluba will play tackle as well. So Keishon Sapp and Kanaya Charleston are definitely guards. Um, Aluba, I think he's a right tackle. And Tavius Woody, you can pair tackle or guard, I believe. Um, but that kind of like leaves us, where, where are we going? Because we have some big fish out there still. Um, if you look at it, uh, we still have Julian Armella. Now, I felt so much better about Julian Armella after Midnight Madness. The fact that he did come to Midnight Madness, that was, I think that was big time. And then he went on that visit to LSU and they had no offensive line coach at the time or something. I thought at the time LSU was our biggest threat. And I think LSU kind of, you know, dug themselves out. I think he like recently visited or he had a really good conversation with someone. I think they finally did hire offensive line coach. I'm not sure, but by all accounts, 
LSU is back in it, and LSU probably leads for Julian um, Armella, and then you still always have Miami lurking. I personally – so okay, so there's how many guys? I think there's Julian Armella, Elijah Pritchett, uh, Richardson, and then Early. I think those are the four the four guys who were in it for. Now, out of those four, if I had to rank them, I it's tough. I personally, okay, I'm gonna personally rank them. I personally have Armella, Pritchett, Richardson, and then Early as 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 far as importance in this in this class. Now, if you talk to most uh I'm not talking well if you li- read or listen to most recruiting services people are really high on Elijah Pritchett like really like super high on him I think a lot of people would take Elijah Pritchett over Armella and I think it's because they view Armella as a right tackle and they view Elijah Pritchett as a surefire left tackle now I, I don't know who Florida State values more, obviously, but uh, if both of those guys want to commit, and then you have Dr. Richardson who commits in July, what do you do? Do you do you take Richardson? Um, I don't know. And it's not. And Richardson's not a done deal by any stretch of the imagination. He could very much go to um, Miami because I think that I think that's who it's going to come down to: Florida State and Miami. Uh, which uh, honestly, we're gonna, I think we're going to see a couple Florida State Miami battles. Um, he's going to be one. I think. I don't know about Marvin Jones. I think I don't think Marvin Jones is going to go to Miami. He might, but I don't, I don't think so. Um, I think he's going to go to like a, a Bama or like a LSU or something like that. If he doesn't come here, which uh, again, if you kind of getting the vibes out there, again, there's a long way to go, but doesn't look like he he would project to Florida State's class. Um, so, yeah, let me, speaking of that, let me kind of, I want to bring up an article kind of about, I think, Zach Blostein of 24-7, you know, put in his his little prediction of what where he thinks this class lands or what happens with this class. And it's, at the end of the day, if this is, if this happens, it's a great class. There are some things I'm like, hmm, that's interesting. Because I believe he had, he didn't have um, Marvin Jones Jr. in the in the class, which I was like, dang, that that sucks. So when you see that, you're like, I don't know, because you know he knows something that we <laughs> we don't know. Uh, I can't pull it up. Hold on, that podcasting, but bear with me. All right. So at QB, he has AJ Duffy. Running back, he has Jalen Glover and Rodney Hill. Now, I've been saying for a while, I think Jalen Glover is where you go with this. Um, just because he's a different type of back than what you have on your roster. And he's from Florida and he's at a school that's, you know, you want to build some rapport with. 
So I, I don't mind the Jalen Glover pick. Obviously, there's bigger fish out there. I think Javante Barnes is the might be a slightly better player, Katron Allen. But again, we don't we don't have much chance with those guys. And I Jalen Glover, I really like Jalen Glover's game. Um, he's a chain mover. He's not he ain't he ain't gonna like bust out seventy yard touchdowns, but he'll brush out some 20, 25 yarders. He'll move the chains. Um, he's just he, he's a good back. I, I like Jalen Glover. And he has he has when he watch him do interviews and stuff, he has a good head on his shoulders for sure. Um, so then he has Rodney Hill, who's already committed. Um, and then he has Kevin Coleman pinned into this class, which that happens awesome. Then he also has Jaleer Skinner as listed as a receiver, because like we said earlier, um, FSU is recruiting him as a big body receiver. I tend to agree with that. It, it's going to be tough, though, man. I, I think – I think he's going to be in this class, but I got to see it to believe it because Clemson's sniffing around, Miami sniffing around, um, Alabama. I I don't know. It's going to be he's going to be tough on the pool. Um, he's keeping it close to the vest right now, so we'll see. But I think in the, the day, man, he just has a cool, a really good bond with Travis Hunter and some of the other guys in the commit on the commit list and even the coaches. So hopefully, I think I think we'll pull off Jaleel Skinner. Then Devon Mortimer, severely underrated beast out of South Florida, catches everything, runs great routes. Um, then at tight end, he has Brian Courtney and Jarrell Powers. Again, I kind of talked about both of them earlier. We'll see how that goes. Um, and then at offensive line, Kayshawn Sapp, Kanael Charlton, Aluba, Ontavius Woody. They're already locked in. Then he has Daughtry Richardson and Jalen Early. So <laughs> with that, with that, we don't get Pritchett or um, Armella. Uh, <laughs> so that one hurts a little bit. Thanks, uh, Mr. Blostein. <laughs> Jack's like a 20-year-old college kid. Um, no, but yeah, he uh, – which, I mean, if we're being realistic, that, that is definitely a more realistic um, – and it's playing it a little bit safe to go with Daughtry and Jalen early. But those are the guys that are about to commit, you know? And if those guys commit to you, you're not, you're not telling them no, I don't think. You can't. Not the way you've recruited them. Both of them. So that's that's all that's set in place. And then on defense line, he has Travion Williams and Hester. And then he has Nigelik Kelly coming back into the fold. I hope that happens because I do think he's going to be a really good player, um, but we'll see. And he has been, and then Bishop Thomas, and then he has Daniel Lyons, which I have, I have no no pulse or no sense of where where he's at, but it seems like he might be an Odell special. So just keep an eye, just keep an eye on his recruitment. Just keep an eye on his recruitment. Um, then he has Omar Graham Jr who is locked in, he committed, uh, he's a linebacker who is very important to this class. He was somebody who's been silently committed for several months. Um, he's athletic as I'll get out, but he, he'll come and hit you too. Um, I really like him as a linebacker. Um, I think he's a little underrated, not like severely underrated, but just a little bit. Um, then he has Jerron Willis in the class as well. Now, Jerron Willis is the guy 
<laughs> he's the guy who grew up a Florida State fan, loves Florida State, got chills when he stepped on to, um, Bobby Bowden Field at Doe Campbell Stadium. But he committed to Georgia Tech because Georgia Tech told him he could play safety. My man is not playing safety at the next level or any other level. <laughs> he's just too big, man. He's, he's listed as 6'2", 228. And that's probably not his exact weight. He's probably bigger than that. Um, he's a linebacker. And if people are telling him that he's not a linebacker, they're lying to him. And that's not a bad thing because he, he, he'll he be very successful at linebacker. He's super athletic. He can cover every position on the field, but he will come up and hit you. And he will – I think if once he gets into college, he'll be able to – uh, plug in holes and like he, I, th- I just think he, he's a linebacker. Um, I think Florida State is saying that he's going to be a position. I think they call the stud position or something like that. I don't know. They, every school has a different position, but it basically, uh, I think it's going to like more be like an outside linebacker slash or big nickel. But you play you play a linebacker if you come here. I think. <laughs> and then Georgia Tech, they, like I said, they're telling you going to be a safety. So. We'll see. Um, but Zach does have him in his class. Uh, and then he also has Daniel Martin. Um, Daniel Martin is a, again, an athletic linebacker out of Marietta. I really like Daniel Martin. Um, he's actually just about to go to Vanderbilt. I think that's where crystal balls are, but that's one 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 prediction. I think Florida State ends up with Daniel Martin as well if, if they do everything right, and that'll be a big get. Um, so I'm happy if we get that linebacker class. I'll be extremely happy with that line. That is a good linebacker class, and something we we could really enjoy. What I like about that linebacker class, there's some athleticism there. There's some athleticism there, and they. Those are those are linebackers right there, and they'll hit. They they all hit pretty good too. And then DB Travis Hunter locked in. Sam McCall pretty much locked in. He has Dion Smoke Bluey, which oh, I gotta see that. One. I don't I don't know about that one. That'll be a shock because I guess if you're gonna get a another DB, you gotta get a big game big name guy. Um, so they're recruiting the likes of uh, Smoke Bluey, um. Dalen Everett, who's committing, but he ain't coming here. Kamari Wilson, um, is he just recently came out the top six in Florida State's in it. Then um, you have uh, I say Earl Earl Little Jr. So whoever we get our next defensive back, it's going to be somebody elite. I mean, because at this point, it's Travis Hunter and Sam McCall. Like, yeah, the next person gotta be elite. So for the most part, um, really interesting mock class. A little disappointing, no Marvin Jones Jr. and Julian Armella. Obviously, they're legacy recruits. I want them to be at Florida State, and I definitely don't want them competing against Florida State. But we also can't take everybody, so we'll see how how it uh, breaks down. Again, um, the biggest thing with the offensive line is Jalen Early and um, Richardson commit pretty pretty soon here, so um, they could take some spots. All right. So we're done with that. Um, July, like I said, for the most part, is going to be dead. We'll get some commits here and there. 
But let's t- turn our attention to our past recruiting spotlight. And we are going to go with my man, Timmy Jernigan, out of Lake City, Florida. He played for Lake City High. Um, not a, uh, uh, no, he played for, I'm sorry, Lake City High. He played for Columbia <laughs> in Lake City. <laughs> my bad. Um so let me just start with his very his very first article was an article that appeared on Warchant by Jamie Newberg, the brother or the brother, the cousin of Josh Newberg, um, who was he's a big time recruiting guy. And he mentioned Timmy Jernigan in 2008. This is no uh October 29, 2008 says perhaps expect he's basically talking about the entire lake city team and how they were loaded he said perhaps the top prospect on this team is timmy jernigan jernigan 6'2 and 255 pounds is a defensive line prospect that won't graduate until 2011 let me repeat that my man was 6'2 and 255 pounds his sophomore year (laughs) his sophomore year Actually, it might have been his freshman year. I can't even do the math. Either his fre- yeah, it might have been his freshman year. Going the end of his freshman year, he was 6'2, 255. That's absurd, bro. That's so that's what are you supposed to do? Like, what are you supposed to do with somebody like that at high school? So, oh, <laughs> so that's his first article. Obviously, he goes on to do um, some big things. And in 2009, he comes out and he names his leader. Now, obviously, this is early in the recruiting process. But my man names the Florida Gators as his leader. Says he uh, grew up being a fan, fan of the Florida Gators. Mind you, this is 2009. So... They're just coming off a national championship, I believe, or a, a, a year or two removed from a national championship. Well, they went in 07, 08 or something like that. Yeah. So they're, they're hot. Florida's the hot school at this point. Um, they, they're his, his, form, his, his high school coach at the time um, coached Tim Tebow in high school. So there's a connection there. Tim Tebow is still there at this point, or he's about to leave. Urban Meyer has everything clicking. J- Timmy Jernigan names the Gators his leader. And for a long time, that's where everybody thought he was going. They thought Timmy Jernigan was going to be a Gator. Fast forward. We fast forward to 2010. So this is a year later. Now some things done happen. <laughs> um, so well, some things will happen here shortly that kind of shake up his recruitment a little bit. Um, he comes out with the top six. He says they're all leaving. So he went from Florida being his leader in 2009 when he's a, a, a freak freshman going into his sophomore year to um, – there being six teams all leaving. Those six teams are Alabama, Florida, Florida State, LSU, Michigan, 
in USC, and I'm talking about Southern Cal, not the other USC, um, the real USC. And immediately he says, you know, they're all leaving. Uh, Florida's been after me pretty long. Um, they offered me before my sophomore season. Urban Meyer said, I'll take him now when he was a, a, a sophomore. I repeat, Urban Meyer <laughs> said he'll take him now. That's important, and you'll see why that's important shortly. Um, and it just goes on to show how freaky, freaky he is. He's, at this point, he's 280 pounds and 6'3", and still athletic as, as if he was um, the 225 that I spoke about earlier. Um, but the main thing in this article, the, the key for Florida State in this article is a little bit down, a little bit down ways. It says, Florida's depth on the defensive line won't scare him away, but the Gators may have something else to worry about. Jernigan said he has bonded with Florida State assistant Odell Hagens, who coaches the Seminoles defensive line, is known for being an exceptional recruiter. Jernigan said, I have a pretty tight-knit relationship with Odell Okay, that is very, very important. So that means Odell has been Odell's been recruiting this boy now. And I'm telling you, this is at the time where Odell was he, I don't know, he got he got uh re rejuvenized, I guess. He 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 was he was feeling himself at this time. Um and I think this was one this is this recruitment is probably one of those things that really really got his juices going and got him flowing. So fast forward a little bit later. Um, let me see here. Oh, no, this is this is just an article talking about some decommitments that happened. Oh, it was a blast from the past. A.C. Leonard, he was a really good tight end prospect. I forgot where he ended up, um, but he's a, he was a really good player. I didn't go Leary. There you go. Um, okay. And yeah, it's showing that he he, he officially visited uh, Michigan, which is crazy. Rich Rodriguez in Michigan. Hmm. And then at this point, most people still think he's going to be a Gator. Um, but we'll see. You know, you, you just you just never know. You never know. Then we fast forward at this point, you know, we're at, we're at the tail end of his, his senior year. He makes the army bowl beast again. If you haven't watched it, watch Timmy Jernigan's highlights. And when you, when you watch Timmy Jernigan's highlights in high school, how I do, I kind of measure up every defensive lineman that I watch to him because he's exactly what you wanted in a defense lineman. He's quick strong he uses his hands um he he runs to the ball and that was evident at evident at his with his time at florida state just just a really good really good player um but he's just talking about how <laughs> how he is um he's going to the army all-american game but now he says he has a top four I remember this is going to this is the end of his senior year. His top four is 
Michigan, LSU, Alabama, and Florida State. Hmm, that's weird. Where's Florida? Florida was the team, you know, he grew up loving. Um, but they're nowhere to be found. Um, what happened here? So this is a little weird, right? Um, because initially when I when I was reading, I was like, is it because Urban Meyer, Urban Meyer left? Is that why he didn't end up being a Florida Gator? But if you look at this article, it states, with regards to the Gators, who may have many felt had the upper hand for Dragon throughout his recruitment, he said they remain in the picture and that their willingness to play the best man, including the freshman, is appealing. He explained that despite their absence from his current top four, the Gators are not out in the cold. He said, there ain't no bad, bad blood. I'm still keeping up with Coach Meyer. We talk maybe once a week. There's no bad blood or nothing, but it's all, it's, it is a business decision more than anything. It is a business. Florida is still in it. They are one of the schools I'm looking at outside of the four. Florida and USC, those are the two I'm looking at outside of the four. Business decision. That is a very key thing in this um, recruitment. <laughs> and it's something that Timmy Jernigan echoes a lot throughout his recruitment and his time at Florida State. So I'm looking at it. Um, so at this point, uh, maybe Timmy Jernigan knew what was about to happen. Because Urban Meyer gets fired. <laughs> or not fired, I'm sorry, he leaves. <laughs> he leaves. Urban Meyer leaves. He does his whole retirement, you know, even though we know how the story goes. And that, I mean, everything happens for a reason. And Urban Meyer retiring, obviously, you know, that season – Florida State beat Florida pretty convincingly for the first time in a little, little while. The whole famous Eddie Graham telling Jimbo that um, Urban quit and everything like that. And he was right. Urban quit, man. Um, it was, it was, the wheels were coming off, but how it happened and just him just up and dipping, man, it, it made, it made some waves and it benefited Florida State greatly. Um, not just because it set set them back while we were building. It, it just it just created you, you're more secure about going to a Florida State now. You know, um, we're going to at that point. I think we go to the Chick Fil A, the Peach Bowl, and beat South Carolina. And you know we have EJ coming back. We just we just got a lot of momentum. You know, and Jimbo Jimbo's building it at this point. And again, I think Timmy Timmy Journey must have knew what's up because, like he said, he stopped he stopped really messing with them. So at this point, it's official visit times. It's December. Timmy Journey has a top three, so he names the top three. It's top three, he done narrowed it down: Florida State, Alabama, and LSU. Um. So at this point, he's taking Michigan out. So it's Florida State, Alabama, and LSU. I believe he vi officially visits Alabama and um, he, he enjoyed it. I mean, it, it's Alabama. Uh, it has a good time. Fast forward. <laughs> this is where it gets wild, man. Timmy Jernigan somehow ends up going to 
Tennessee, the University of Tennessee, and visiting the University of Tennessee, and they jump into his recruitment. Uh, apparently, they've been recruiting him for a while, and if, if this is somewhat true, I think there's a, a video on YouTube um, that shows him talking about Tennessee from early, earlier in his career. But again, the the thing that appears, even when he's talking about Tennessee, he's talking about he talks about how he talks with um, Chuck Smith uh, at the time, which is the defensive line coach at Tennessee. I like Coach Smith. He's a fiery dude. I hear from Coach Smith all the time, said Jernigan. I probably talk to him more than any other coach I talk to. Coach Smith and Coach Odell Hagens from Florida State. I talk to two of those guys more than anybody. Again, Odell Hagens, if you read all these articles, he just makes an appearance in almost every Timmy Jernigan article when they're talking about his top schools. But have no fear, <laughs> Florida Gators. Your boys climb back in. He meets with uh, their new defensive line coach. He meets with Muschamp. They get a little bit of life in it, okay? And they, maybe they can do something. Um, but again, this article talks about Florida State and the due diligence that Odell Hagens has been putting in since. This is where we find out that Odell's been recruiting Timmy since the eighth grade. This is where I think I think this is the first article that I that I I was looking through that says yes they met for about thirty to forty five minutes. Coach Odell Hagens has been a diligent recruiter, very thorough in his approach, and has been recruiting Timmy since Timmy was in the eighth grade. That's a a quote from Coach Howard, Timmy Jernigan's um defense or Timmy Jernigan's head coach at the time. So, again, Odell making an appearance. Then we go to, you know, signing day is coming up. And at this point in time, you know, it was – I think it came down to Florida State, LSU, and Florida. Alabama might have been in there too. Yeah, I'll say Alabama too. Um so that's who he's down to. And I'll, I'll never forget um, watching Timmy Jernigan's commitment. It was on ESPN. It was on ESPN. <laughs> he commits, I mean, he commits to Florida State. And he talks about how he has like a kid on his lap or one of his nephews on his lap or something like that. And he talks about how he just wanted to stay right here. Um in the city so that people that, you know, he's 99 miles from Tallahassee, you know, his nephews and stuff and kids around his city can um, look up to him and, and watch him and see him be a positive role model. Um, and you can just tell this has Odell written all over it. I'm going to give you exact quotes, man. He's like right here in Lake city, man, the kids, the people, they look up to me. Um, I'm a positive role model around here. My nephews, they believe in me. They look up to me. I'm like, man, I can't leave. That's not to say that decision was easy. Florida State and SCU have been doing for during his service for the past months. And recent visit to Tennessee also served to complicate matters. Um, he And he claims it wasn't until Tuesday where he made up his – the Tuesday before signing day. Signing day is always on a Wednesday, um, the first Wednesday in February. He said, I was confused. I can't even lie to you. I just prayed on it Sunday night. Prayed on it Monday night, then Tuesday morning, that's when it hit. 
So he called and informed the Florida, Florida State coaches. Um, he just said Odell was happy. He gave me a hug, slapped me on the back so hard. I thought I was going to knock my heart out my chest. <laughs> I remember that when he said he's, this was like quotes. Like he was saying this as he was being interviewed um, on ESPNU. Um, and so, yeah, it just goes on to say, you know, he joins. Columbia has been pretty nice to us, man. Um, Raynard Wilson, Kendall Pope, Jerome Carter. Um, and then we have the kid, uh, Shyne Brown, who I think is going to be a really good player for us eventually. I kind of see him. I'm hoping he turns into somebody like a Terrence Brooks, like you just, who you just look back and like, dang, he had a pretty good career here. So that's kind of what I'm hoping for. Um, so yeah, man, that that's how his his recruitment ended. Um, he picked Florida State on National Signing Day. Like like I said, one of his, his recruitment was one of the ones where like I first started watching, following recruiting. Um, Cause I mean, we, we graduated in the same year. So I was just trying to see where, you know, kids that I was playing with or playing against where they were going. And I ran across him and his interest in force. And like his film is just crazy again, like I said. Um, and he just had a, it was just an up and down journey, man. And I think he was one of the key pieces to that national championship. He was a beast, man. It, just holding it down in the middle. He was so disruptive. Um, he was always around the ball. Uh, one of my one of the plays that stand out to me in Timmy Jernigan's career is I think it's I want to say it's Maryland in 2013. It's either Maryland or NC State, and they run a basically a pitch or a sweep to the outside, you know, and they get outside, and uh, I think our our DBs kind of like force them to come back in. And man, when this dude came back in. He got ear holes by Timmy Jernigan. I mean, just destroyed him because he was he was chasing the ball. He wasn't giving up on the play. Pursuit, pursuit, pursuit. And that was, if you watch his career, that's what he's been. Um, he's won a Super Bowl with the Eagles. He's had a good NFL career. Um, where's I don't remember where he's at now. I think I thought he signed with like the Ravens or something. Uh, I think like the the Jacks cut him at one point. Oh, he's with the Broncos now. Oh no, he was released. I don't know. So he's a free agent. Um, been in the league how long? Um, since 2014. So he's had a six-year career. Seven-year career, going on seven years. So, I mean, he, he can still have some time to do some things. I mean, yeah, he has a, a Super Bowl. He made the all-rookie team. In college, he was a first-team All-American. Crazy, and he's second-team All-ACC. I don't know how that happened. Um, but they got drafted in the – was it the third round? No, second round. Second round by the, by the um, Ravens and – that's a good player, man, and then by all accounts, uh, a good dude. Uh, if you look at any of his um, his interviews, he's positive. Um, just a good guy, and crazy thing, him and Laramie Tunks were on the same team. Good God, that's, <laughs> that's absurd to have that much talent. But, yeah, man, the, that'll wrap up uh, this edition of the – 
recruiting spotlight. This has been a long episode. I kind of owed it because it's been so long. Um, so I had a lot of stuff to talk about. So I do hope you enjoyed it, man. Um, next time I come back, I think we're going to do a little focus more on the uh, football season. Maybe I'll give my win losses for the year. Um, I don't know. I haven't decided yet. But uh, that's going to wrap this episode up, man. Um, thank you for listening. And uh, go nose.